Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 6. Hear now the word of the Lord. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So yesterday, Kelsey and I drove back from Georgia. We were visiting some of her cousins and family members up in the mountains, up in Dahlonega, for the first of what will be many Christmas parties and Christmas family gatherings. Now, I always enjoy going up there. I don't enjoy driving up there because I'm from Texas where everything is flat And driving through the mountains is still not something that I'm quite comfortable with, especially at night, especially in the rain, especially when it's foggy and other people know the area better than you, and so they uh, want you to go a little bit faster. But once we get there, it's always a really wonderful thing, because the beauty of the mountains is something that just, that that hits me uh, pretty hard. And more than that, gathering together with family is always a good time. Especially at Christmas, Kelsey's cousins are, uh, and, and aunts and uncles are celebratory people. They love to come together and sing songs and some, some of them dance and cook food all day and eat together and just have a good time. And of course, this being a Christmas gathering, there was a gift exchange as a part of it too. Now, as I'm sure Most of you have had the pleasure of experiencing Christmas parties are are good, but when there's little kids that come, they're great. 
because little kids just, they make it so much more fun. And this year, uh, one of Kelsey's cousins, who has two little ones, was able to come, which is a big deal because they live a little ways away. But they came and they brought their uh, just under one-year-old and their just under four-year-old sons. And so as soon as they walked in the door, I knew we were in for a treat because, well, one of them, uh, the, the younger one, the one that's not quite a year old, started climbing on everything all immediately. And so you know that you got to keep an eye on him. And uh, the other one was just talking to everybody, and he really was, he was already in the Christmas spirit, even though he hadn't yet been given any presents. And so I knew we were in for a treat as soon as they walked in. And as it happened, they got there a little bit late. If you have kids, I'm sure you understand that. Uh, they got there a little bit late, and so the rest of us had already done a lot of the gift exchanging, meaning that what was left was mostly for these two little kids. So they got there and immediately got showered with gifts. And it's an amazing thing to watch a four-year-old uh, get present after present after present because it's like they, they don't expect the next one to come even though they kind of know that there's more presents because they can see them. Um, and they just they get excited every time. And so watching this kid tear open some not-so-exciting presents, things like picture books, uh, and really exciting presents, especially the toy construction trucks. Those were a huge hit with him. It was, it was so wonderful because the excitement just kept on building. And everybody was having a good time because this one kid was having a good time. The other one was a little bit young. He liked to play with the paper uh, more than anything. Uh, but he was, he was into it too. But this four-year-old was just having the time of his life. But as I watched him, something that I noticed was that every single time somebody gave him a present, he would stand there with the person, he would open it, and he would get excited, he would do a little dance. But then the very next thing that he did, as soon as he had all the paper off, was he turned around and he showed it to his dad because he wanted his dad to see what he'd gotten. I think that this is something that most of us understand. You know, when you get good news, when something good happens to you, what's the first thing that you want to do? It's tell your family. It's tell your friends about what has happened so that they can join in the celebration with you. This kid was excited about the presents. He was excited about getting a toy log truck, but he was really excited to get his dad excited with him. It's just natural for us to want to tell the people that we care about the things that are important to us, the things that have happened, so that we can celebrate together. Well, something kind of similar to this happens in our scripture this morning, but with a little bit of a twist. The shepherds were people, of course, who lived on the outskirts of society. And I don't just mean that in a social order kind of way. I mean they lived outside of town. They lived with their animals and were probably men who were dirty most of the time. They spent their days working. When the sun came up, they got up and started making sure that everything was good with the sheep, that they were eating well, that they were healthy, that no other animals were coming in and uh, and harming them. And when the sun went down, they went to sleep. And if something woke them up in the night, it was probably something dangerous that they were 
uh, needing to be prepared to fight off, to keep their flock safe. And so these shepherds were here at night, a time when only danger comes. But this time, it was an angel of the Lord that appeared. They found themselves suddenly confronted, without asking for it, by a messenger from heaven. Now, if you read through the Old Testament, if you read every account of somebody encountering an angel, then what you quickly learn is that these were not beings that were uh, known for being sort of beautiful. We think about them as, as glorious sort of uh, photogenic creatures, but in truth, when you read scripture, what you find is descriptions of beings with multiple animals' heads and six wings that uh, are huge, or worse, one that was covered in eyes. So these were sort of uh, shocking things. So imagine that you are a shepherd who's out with your flock in the night, in the wilderness, outside of town. You know that things do sometimes come at night, but it's usually things that you have to fight off. And all of the sudden, one of these angels appears to you. It makes perfect sense when you think about it like that, that the first words from the angel's mouth here and everywhere that they appear is... Do not be afraid, because surely they were afraid. But this angel comes, and in the midst of the shepherd's terror says, Do not be afraid, I come with good news for you that will cause joy for all people. It starts by explaining what has happened. It tells them, Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Now, what you have to understand about Bethlehem is that it was a small, backwoods kind of town. There wasn't much that happened in Bethlehem. It was famous because that's where David came from, but nothing else had happened there since then, and nobody really expected anything to happen there again. And yet... An angel comes to shepherds of all people and tells them that in Bethlehem of all places, the Savior that they've been waiting for has finally come. And then it keeps going and says, A Savior has been born in Bethlehem, and you, shepherds, you can find him there, wrapped in cloths. You can go and see the Savior yourselves. You'll find him in a stable. And then as though one terrifying angel in the night wasn't enough, suddenly the skies erupted with the heavenly hosts, all of them together singing and putting words to the joy that the shepherds did not yet know, that the world did not yet know. They put words to the joy that Jesus brought that night in a manger. And they sang their song, Glory to God, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This angel came to the shepherds and said, I bring you good news. But it wasn't news about them at all. It had nothing to do with what the shepherds had done. They were just out tending to their flocks. No, this angel came with news for something that had happened 
a little ways away. And then the angels together tell us what we should know and what we should feel in this moment. They come to clarify the things that are beyond us. And they point out that the two things we need to hold on to here are glory and peace. Glory to God and peace on earth. Now, the thing that you have to understand about this is the same thing that we have to understand about all of Scripture, which is that it's not actually about us. It's not about us, but it is important for us. It is impactful to our lives. Scripture is the story of what God has done. It had nothing to do with what the shepherds were doing. The good news wasn't about them. But it's for that exact reason, because this good news was about God and not them, that it was good news, not only for the shepherds, but for all of mankind. And that is why it's powerful. And so they come declaring two things. They come first declaring glory, because they say God is glorified in Jesus Christ. God is glorified in the birth of a small child in a manger. Because in that moment, on that very first Christmas Eve, God had defeated the very powers of death. We talk about spiritual warfare, the fact that we have to be careful. But the truth is that on that night, 2,000 years ago, God claimed the victory over Satan, over the very powers of death and sin. He overcame everything that we have to be afraid of and did what would have been impossible otherwise. God came to us because we couldn't come back to him. The Israelites had been trying for thousands of years, but every time they came to the temple and every time they offered a sacrifice to God, they did so knowing that there was going to be another sacrifice afterwards, that there would be another one needed after that. The people had been trying for their entire lives since the very fall of man, to come back to God, and yet they always fell short. They could be made pure for a moment, but it never lasted. And yet here, in this moment, on that Christmas Eve, as announced to the shepherds, there was no more need for that. God had done the work. God had put an end to everything that we were fighting against because we could never overcome it, but God could. And on that night, God did. So in that, God was glorified because nobody else could do what God did that night. But they keep going and say, second, Christ came to lead us towards peace. Peace to those on whom... God's favor rests. This is the message that the angels brought. But because God was glorified in the birth of Jesus, because in Jesus he overcame death and sin, because in Jesus God claimed the victory, people could know peace. 
peace in the midst of an oppressive rule. Where word came down from Caesar on high that everybody would have to go back to their hometown. So they had no choice but to drop everything and travel across the country. A place where there was no peace to be found because everywhere that the people went, there were soldiers on the streets watching them. Because every dime that they earned went back to the king. There was no peace to be found, and yet the angels came declaring peace in the midst of oppression. Peace because God had claimed the victory, and God's glory was known amongst the people. And therefore, because God had conquered every evil thing, they could have hope, yes, even in the midst of Roman rule. But more than anything else, they could know peace because at the birth of Jesus, from that moment, they could know that God was present with us. Peace is something that would have been hard to imagine then. I think peace is something that's hard for a lot of us to imagine even now. You've probably met someone who has said something like this. I know I've met many of them in my life, but sometimes you'll have a friend or a coworker who's got a project coming up at work or in school, and you'll ask them how it's going. It's, the deadline is fast approaching, and they'll say something along the lines of, well, I've got a lot to do, but, you know, I thrive under pressure. I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a moment that you can come up with something better by waiting to the last minute than you could by working for a long time, diligently and carefully. We claim to thrive under pressure, but that's just because we are under pressure. Or think about it in another way. Whenever you look at the list of the greatest movies of the past 50 years, there's one that consistently tops the list. It's the Shawshank Redemption This is a movie that a whole lot of people have seen. Most of you have probably seen it, but if you haven't, there's a moment in that story where a man who's been in prison for decades is released. And when he gets out, he has no idea what to do. And in fact, he's so miserable when he gets out that he can't imagine life as a free man. He's got no hope. He would rather be left in prison than set free. Friends, I think the same thing is true when we claim to thrive under pressure, when we claim to love the chaos. I think it's because we can't imagine life outside of that. We can't imagine life with peace or with joy. I think there's a tendency, too, for us to look at what's going on and say, yes, the Peace of Christ is proclaimed, but, well, right now I've just got so much going on that it's not, it's not really in the cards for me. I can't know peace right now. There's way too much happening. I have too much going on at work. I've got too much going on at home. I'm trying hard, but nothing seems to be working out the way it's supposed to. So we can say peace, but I just can't imagine a life free of all of this. I can't imagine a life of peace. But friends, the good news 
of Jesus that was proclaimed by the angels that day to the shepherds is this, that Christ came for everyone. That Christ came for you and for me. Even when we can't imagine peace, God has created a way for us to know peace. The angel said, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. Well, if Jesus came for everyone and all of us are invited to come and know him, then all of us are invited to come into God's favor because God's favor rests with those who know his son, with those who trust in Jesus. Think about this. Jesus' first visitors were shepherds, not kings. He was born in a stable. Some translations might say a cave, not a palace. His parents were poor, They were far from home, and they were low on the social ladder. There was no pretense to this event. There was no grand celebration. But instead, it was a humble beginning. An event to which the first people invited were shepherds outside of town. And that's because, as the angels said, Jesus came for the shepherds. And he came for each and every one of us, too. Friends, Jesus has brought you away out of this prison. Jesus has brought us away to know peace, to be set free from the chains of sin and death. Respond like the shepherds did that evening. Come and see the one who's brought your freedom. Come and see the one who brings peace and joy. Whatever is burdening you, whatever is keeping you from joy and peace in Jesus' name, do what the shepherds did and leave it behind. Leave it out in the fields because God has come to say that there is something better for you. That's where the joy of Christmas is found. There is something better. Come and see Come and see the newborn king, Jesus, who was born to die, who was born to take on our sins, to bear our burdens and our pain so that we don't have to, because we know the truth that we can't. We can't bear them, but he can, and he has He was born to stand against sin and death, and he was born to stand for you. Praise God that he did that all one night in a manger. Come and see. And once you do, take a note from the angels. If you read a little bit further in the story, you'll find that the shepherds do this exact same thing. Come and see, and then celebrate. Celebrate together and celebrate publicly. Go and announce this joyful moment. Explain what's happened as you need to. And then invite others to do the same thing and come and see, because all are welcomed to come and encounter the love and encounter the grace and encounter the glory of Jesus Christ that was born that very first Christmas. Come and join the shepherds. Come 
and see. Thanks be to God.